we shall live and do this or that. For that you ought to say, if the Lord will, we shall do and do this or do that. We're here by the, by the express mercy and grace of God. Today, we are living, breathing individuals because we're breathing His breath and He has allowed it to be so. And so I'm thankful today that the Lord has allowed me to be blessed with yet another day. Amen. To be a part of His kingdom. Not just to be alive. Not just to be on this earth. Not just to to wake up and know that I have two eyes that I can see with. And two ears that I can hear with. And and two good legs that I can walk on. And and two good arms that I can drive a vehicle with. and, And all those things are great. Amen. But the greatest thing of all is that He has allowed us the privilege and the honor of being a part of his kingdom today. And so I want to be all, amen, you know, the army thought they had that saying, but but Jesus had that long before the army ever used, be all you can be, right? They just borrowed that from from the Lord, amen. I want to be all that I can be for the Lord, don't you today? Amen. I want to I want to do whatever he wants me to do, amen. Today I don't want to necessarily do what I want to do, I don't want to be like that toward my toward the God that saved me. Right? It's not about what I want. You know, we're we're raising that little puppy and she just wants us to play all the time and I just have to look at her and I know she don't understand me, but I have to just point at her and say, It's not about you. <laughs> Everything is not play, play, play. You can be seated this morning. And so we gotta understand that we got, I have to approach God with a hum, a humility that, okay God, what do you have for me to do today? I know I might have some plans on the books. I might have some things written down in my day timer, but what do you have for me to do today? Amen. And what better example did we have of that than Jesus Christ? Amen. We had, you know, I was thinking about this. This isn't, has nothing to do with what I'm going to teach, but I just feel to say this. You know, Jesus Christ was crucified on a cross. He was literally nailed to a cross with big old spikes. Right? But I just, this is just me, but I just believe that Jesus Christ was crucified before he ever went to Calvary. How can you say that, Brother Demuth? Well, you have to think about this for a second. He, His entire ministry was not about him. It was about him, but it really wasn't about him. What did he constantly say? He he would say, I'm, I'm doing what the Father's telling me to do. I'm saying what the Father's telling me to say. And so when he prayed that prayer on that mountain before he was crucified, where he said, Father, not my will, but thine own will be done. That wasn't the first time he prayed that prayer. We just, that's the first time they recorded it. I believe that Jesus Christ was dead to himself his entire life because he knew what his purpose was on this earth. And so he had to crucify because he did live here in the flesh. I mean, the Bible does say that he hungered, didn't it? He thirsted. He felt pain. 
He felt discouragement. He felt all those things. He had a mother and a father. He was a teenager. He was an adolescent. I don't know if Jesus wore a diaper or not, but he was a baby, and he went through all those stages that all of us go through. And there's not a whole lot written about that except one instance where he was 12 years old. But I just I don't know about you. I just have to believe that he went through the same struggles we did as teenagers. You know? I don't want to get off in all of that, but Jesus had to be crucified in his mind to the fact that it wasn't about him. And so when he when they recorded that that he prayed that prayer, Father, not my will, but thine thine own will be done, he was just voicing something that had been there all along. And so my desire today is to be just like him. It's not about me. When did it cease being about you, Brother DeMuth, the same time it ceased being about you? When you came to that altar and repented. When you when you went to that water of baptism and took on his name, it ceased being about us. Amen? I mean, there's there's something to that scripture that says that we are not our own. You are bought. When Joseph was bought as a slave, he had no say-so at all. Nothing. Even when he was right and was accused of being wrong, he still didn't. He couldn't even defend his own self. He was put in a prison, put in a dungeon. Not a nice, comfy prison like we have today. Right? Basically, it was a bottomless pit that the rain all came down in. It was a, it was nasty. And so we, but that was, guess what? That was the will of God for Joseph. Oh, wait a minute. So you could be going through something and it's totally the will of God? I just heard an amen from up here anyway. I don't know about the rest of you. So wherever you are in God right now, whatever's going on in your life, he's allowing it. And so he's allowing us to be here today. Amen. That's not what I came here to talk about this month. Uh, Pastor Parker has asked me to talk about basically four different subjects. And so we're going to kind of launch into this this morning. And the, the main uh, title, if you will, the main um, theme, I guess, if you want to put it that way, is is the attributes of a mature disciple. And we're all disciples, aren't we? We're all disciples this morning, and so we're gonna we're gonna launch into this. And the and the first subject, the first week, we're gonna talk about adding to our joy. And we're not just talking about any kind of joy here. We're talking about the joy of the Lord, right? And so, in discussing this subject, I feel compelled to define what joy is. There, there are tons and tons of scriptures on joy in the New Testament. I, I really couldn't come up with, pick one. And, and you know, there, there's favorite scriptures. People say they have favorite scriptures, like that one I read out of James this morning. I don't know if I have favorites because, you know, the Word of God is, it, all of it's good. All of it's good for reproof, for correction, for instruction and in righteousness. So I really can't say I have any favorite ones. But there's a lot of them, you know, if I, if I, if I could nail it down to a hundred, then I'd have to take it to two hundred because there'd be more I'd want to add to it. 
So, but that one scripture that I read is important. If if you really study that out and and think about that and dwell on that scripture for a second, we are not our own. And in Acts 17, 28, it, it really is true what, what Paul said. In him we live and move and have our being. So if you have any joy at all in your life, it's not joy that you created. Now, I, I, I was, I was happy as a lark yesterday when I finished doing all that work on my truck, but that didn't bring me joy. Not true joy. I was happy to be done with it. I was happy that I saved myself some money. I was happy that, that I didn't have to worry about that, that dangerous situation on my vehicle. But that's not, that's not joy. Joy is something you have whether things are going good or things are going bad. Joy has nothing, not, what's going on in your life has no bearing on your joy, if it's true joy, if it's joy from the Lord. And so we're going to just kind of launch into this and and just talk about what joy is. And so I, this is going to be more of a study and, you know, it might be preaching, it might be teaching, it might be a combination, but we're just going to launch into this. So in Mounce's complete expository dictionary of Old and New Testament words, joy is defined in the Old Testament as Depending on the context, uh, it can be translated joy, rejoicing, gladness, pleasure, or happiness. It can be expressed by singing, which we do, shouting, which we do, dancing. Amen? I'll bet you Matthew was dancing the other day when that baby was born. I bet you he was shouting. I bet you he was singing. Right? That brought joy to that family. Right, And so we, we do those things in the natural and playing musical instruments, but it is also a matter of the heart. This is what we're going to talk about. And there, there's a, a, a multitude of scriptures there. We're not going to read them, but they're there for you. I believe that this is in your lesson. If it's not, I'll give you a copy. But there's a multitude of scriptures there. And, and if you want to go online and, and go to the, the web and go find Mounts' Expository Dictionary, it's probably out there for free. You can just look through it for yourself, but there's a multitude of scriptures on joy. And, and so it goes on and says, weddings and harvest time epitomized joy in Israel. That was, that was a great time. You know, the, the day of Pentecost had to do with the harvest, right? It had to do with the harvest. And it was an exciting time because God had blessed and God had given them good crops and God had blessed and multiplied. Before they ever harvested anything out of the crop, they went and got one sheave and they took it and, and they waved it before the Lord, thanking him for the harvest. And then they immediately went out and started harvesting the rest of it. But they gave God praise and thanks first. Right? And therefore, they are common images throughout Scripture, especially in Hebrew prophets. Apart from the Day of Atonement, Israel's feasts and festivals are also times of joy and celebration. We, we're getting ready to celebrate some holidays here. And we, we love celebrating the holidays. We love celebrating the birth of a baby. We love celebrating birthdays. We love celebrating anniversaries and, and all these things. Amen. And so we understand in the natural the, the idea of celebration and joy. But our joy really 
comes from the Lord. And, and joy is defined in the New Testament. It says the New Testament authors emphasize that joy, the joy of the Lord transcends all earthly circumstances and that Christian joy is actually proven through hardship. Wow, when I read that, I went, whoa. Hold on a minute. <laughs> you mean I got to go through stuff to have joy? No. And then it gives scripture references for that. And it goes on to say, according to James, believers should consider trials a joy. Oh, hallelujah, I get to go through a trial again. Hallelujah, Jesus, I'm so happy. Right? How many of us go through a trial and we're all excited? We want to call the pastor and say, Pastor, I'm going through another trial. Shout with me. Nobody's ever called you to do that. No. I didn't think so. <laughs> Leave him a voicemail, right? According to James, believers should consider trials of joy. I wanted to read that again because they lead to a deeper faith and maturity. Wow. The attributes of a mature disciple. How many are glad that they grew up and matured? I'm the only one? Oh, okay. How many are glad that you don't act like a three-year-old anymore? Right? Just just imagine. I mean, there's some adults out there that act like three-year-olds today. But I thank God that he let me grow up and go through that natural process and that that I laid, I put down some childish things along the way and said, I'm not doing that anymore. That You know, you, you kind of have those moments in your life as you're growing up. You go, okay. That's childish. I'm not doing that anymore. I just embarrassed myself in front of all my friends. I think I'm going to quit doing that. Right? And we grow up and we mature in the natural. But God wants us to mature in the spiritual. And he's not just going to, it's not just going to be a rosy road. He's not just going to let us receive the Holy Ghost and let us take on his name and then just everything's just going to be wonderful from that point on. He's not going to do that. And the one that lived on this earth and is our example went through trials. Jesus Christ. Every disciple of Jesus Christ went through trials. You just go read about Paul. Among, among other things, he was shipwrecked, he was beaten, he was stoned, left for dead, and, and just on and on and on. He goes out about all this stuff, but he said, none of these things move me. Neither count I myself, my life dear to myself. Paul had joy. Those disciples, when they went in to the to the elders and they got beat uh, beat on and and whooped on because they were preaching the gospel, what did it what does it say? As soon as they left, they went back to their other disciples and with great joy they said, "How how awesome it was, man! We just got beat up for Jesus, right? Right." How many of us would really do that? We want to go whimpering to the group and say, I can't believe they spit on me. I can't believe they beat on me. I can't believe they did that. And I tried to tell them about Jesus, but they just wouldn't listen. Is that any different than the disciples? No. We're going to have to go through some stuff. If God wants us to to be, you know, this time of year they... I noticed at the VA they were they were running around in those little 
the little wagons that they ride around in, and they were cutting in, you know, all the bushes and trees. They were trimming everything back. Why? Because you got to get all that old growth off of there, right? Because next spring, when all when everything starts budding, there's all kind of new growth going to be popping out on all all that stuff, and it kind of looks ugly right now because they've cut it all back. But it's not going to be ugly in the springtime. And so we have to be purged. We have to be cut on, right? How many doesn't? How many wants the Lord to to cut on them? Come on. I don't, I, I don't want to go through my life without the Lord cutting some stuff away, do you? I want, I want Him to, to, to purge off some of this stuff. You know? If your Father really loves you, He's not just going to let you raise yourself, is He? Right? And no amount, nobody ever came out of a whooping from their mom and dad and said, I really enjoyed that. Can we do it again? And the people that I knew that did that and said, Mom, that was fun. They got it again, only worse. <laughs> so don't mock me when I'm trying to help you. And so the Lord's trying to help us through trials. I don't, I don't mean to keep hovering on that, but just doing what the Lord told me to do. It says, though Paul wrote his letter to the Philippians from prison, in the midst of personal suffering, he maintains the steadfast joy, and he instructs the Philippian believers to maintain. He also emphasizes in his letters the work of the ministry. However difficult or dangerous is a joy. Sister Linda, you have a ministry. Wayne, you have a ministry. Vicki, you have a ministry. Jesse, Miriam, all of us have a ministry. My wife at the jail, she has a ministry. Wherever you are, you have a ministry. And not everybody where you work and everybody that you rub shoulders with wants to hear about Jesus. But I guarantee you there's somebody there that you may not have said anything, but there's somebody there that wants to hear about Jesus. I'll never forget. And this guy and his wife are still in church today, but this guy came to work in my shop in Okinawa and it took me like three months to say something to him. And I'll never forget these words that he said to me. When I finally witnessed to him, he said, I'm, I've been waiting for you to witness to me. It's about time or something like that. And I just felt about that big. And the Lord convicted me right there. And I, I thought, okay. I was, I was in fear, I guess, of saying anything, but it just it taught me something. And there's people out there that we only we can minister to where we are. And so it's not always going to go well. They're not all just going to clamor around you and say with their hands on their, you know, like this and say, tell me more. Some of them are just not, they don't want to hear it because they got their own lifestyle to live. And, and you're, whatever you're saying is bringing conviction or whatever on them and they don't want to hear about it. And they'll curse you and they'll say all kinds of stuff to you. And did they do that to Jesus? There you go. So joy, the word joy is, is the Greek word chara in the New Testament. It says to rejoice, joy, rejoicing, gladness. Romans 14 and 17 says joy in the Holy Ghost, meaning that the joy which the Holy Spirit imparts 
by his influence. So was it possible for us to have true joy before the Holy Ghost? I don't think so. Not really. So how is it that we can add to our joy? And I actually tried to search for that in my Bible app. And I honestly couldn't find a scripture that says add to your joy. Specifically. And so, but we're gonna, we're gonna attempt to go there anyway. First, we must acknowledge though that any true joy that we have comes from Him and we cannot, and it cannot be obtained any other way. You might think you have joy, but you don't, and if there are anybody in this room besides me that can attest that you, and when, if you thought you had joy before the Holy Ghost, you realized after the Holy Ghost you really didn't have it until you had the Holy Ghost. I, I thought I had joy until I got the Holy Ghost, and then it was like, no, that wasn't joy. Whatever that was, it wasn't joy. True joy. Nehemiah 8 and 10 speaks of the joy of the Lord as being the people's or our strength. And that word means refuge or fortress or stronghold or shelter, and he's all those things to us. There it is. Nehemiah 8 and 10, the joy of the Lord. The joy of the Lord, whoa, whoa, don't don't read past that too fast. The joy of the Lord is our strength. Not the joy of Vince is is our strength. I I can't produce that. I got to depend on his joy. And when his joy, when his, you know, the Bible says that that it is is rivers of water bubbling up and and you know, flowing out. And so that joy is coming from the Holy Ghost, not from me. I couldn't produce that before. That's why most of us, if not all of us, ended up in a church, ended up in an altar of prayer and repentance, and ended up in a baptismal tank because we had no joy. We had no peace. Let's go to James chapter 1, verse 2 through 4, where James talks about joy. James chapter 1, verse 2 through 4. I'm going to try real hard to get through all this. More notes than i got time. My brethren. James talking to the, his fellow brethren in the church, right? Count it all joy. Count it all joy. All. Does all mean all? If you look that up in the Greek, it means all. <laughs> Just saying. Count it all joy when you fall into lots of temptations. Next verse. We're going to go through verse 4. Knowing this, you know this, you have a confidence. You know this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. So what are temptations? Does God allow us to go through temptations? Why? Because it's for the trying of our faith. You want God to try your faith? I want God to try my faith. I want Him to test my faith, my love for Him, and see if I'm going to be able to hang in there in the tough times. If I'm going to depend on Him or I'm going to try to depend on me to get through it. My strength is not going to cut it. But let patience... This patience that you're going to get from going through this trial and this temptation, which this is in another lesson, but temptation is not sin, by the way. You know that, right? 
But let patience have her perfect work. That ye may be perfect, not perfect as in that's a perfect diamond. Right? That, that word perfect in the Greek is what? Mature. Mature and entire, wanting nothing. When you're serving the Lord, you don't have a desire. You don't want anything. There's nothing that I don't have that he doesn't want me to have in the beginning. If, if, if I need it, he's going to give it to me. If I don't have it, it's not for me to run out and try to get it. He knows what I have need of. And some things that I want, I really don't need. <laughs> Usually we find that out after we bought it and paid a lot of money for it, and then we can't get it away. We can't hardly give it away at a yard sale. Right? We thought that having that thing would bring us joy, and now we can't get people to take it off the table for a nickel, a dollar, or whatever. At the end of the yard sale, you're giving stuff away. Please, just take it. I don't want it in my house anymore, but you paid money for that. Right? Uh, Mounts' dictionary says, according to James, believers should consider trials a joy because they lead to deeper faith and maturity. Though Paul wrote this letter to the Philippians from prison in the midst of personal suffering, we already read this, he maintains a steadfast joy. Imagine having joy and being in prison. We've had, we, you've, you've probably read stories about people that are Christians all over the world that have been tossed in prison and had to spend months in prison just for, just for talking about Jesus, whether they're apostolic or not. In a Muslim country somewhere, they'll just throw them in prison. They don't even get a judge, jury, or anything. They just get thrown in prison. And Paul, Jesus told Paul, you're going to suffer some things. He didn't tell him, he didn't give him a laundry list and a grocery list and say, here's what you're going to suffer, just so you know. He just said, you're going to suffer some things for my name's sake. And Paul had to, he probably had to say, okay, God, this, this must be one of those things. So I'm going to just endure this. And so he, he didn't waste, he didn't sit in prison, you know, sitting in the molly grubs. Y'all know what sitting in the molly grubs means, right? First time I said that up here, somebody said, what did you just say? Being in the molly grubs. Look it up. Urban Dictionary or something. Paul didn't sit down and, and wallow in his own mess. He sat down and started writing letters. He said, I, I can't stop ministering just because I'm in prison, so I'm going to write some letters. He needed to encourage the church. He needed to tell them, it's okay, don't worry about me, just keep going. Isaiah 12, verse 1 through 6. We've got to move on here. We're talking about adding to our joy. But you've got to acknowledge where your joy is first and where it came from. And that you have it. And that you have acknowledged that it's his and not yours. That he lets you have that joy. And in that day thou shalt say, O Lord, I will praise thee. Though thou wast angry with me, thine anger is turned away, thou and thou comfortest me. Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid. This is a great scripture to read in the form of a prayer, reading the scripture. For the Lord Jehovah is my strength and my is, not might be, not could be, but is my strength 
and my song. He also has become my salvation. And if you were to study that word salvation out, it means Jesus, by the way. Just just so you know that. Therefore, with joy shall you draw water out of the wells of salvation. Not some other well. Not some old nasty cistern. The Bible talks about cisterns. Broken cisterns and all that. But we're drawing joy out of what? The well of salvation. Whose well is that? It's all the joy that you could ever want. You can't find it anywhere else but in Jesus, can you? And in that day shall you say, praise the Lord. Call upon His name. Declare His doings among the people. Make mention that His name is exalted. Sing unto the Lord, for ye have done excellent things. He has done excellent things. This is known in all the earth. Cry and shout, thou inhabitant of Zion, for great is the Holy One of Israel in the midst of thee. I don't get my joy from a thing. I don't get my joy from from money in my pocket. I don't get my joy from having a, a 64 Impala. I don't get my joy from anything else but from knowing that when I get up every day that my Jesus has let me live another day. And what is it I can do for you today, Jesus? Here, my plans, I just throw them in the trash. You you lead me. You guide me. I want to go where you're going today. What are you doing today? What would you have me to do today? What would you have me to say today? You know, when you, when you, when you kind of approach it like that, if you say something and it sounds wrong to people that you're saying it to and God told you to say it or do it, you're good. Even if you have to suffer trial for it, you're good. He told you to do it. He's going to take care of you. He's going to take care of you. These people that we were reading about just now, they had great joy because they had been in bondage and had now been set free. I don't know of anybody in here that's been in literal bondage, but a lot of us, most of us, probably all of us, were in some kind of spiritual, psychological bondage, right? We were in bondage. And we didn't even know it. We, when we thought we were okay, and I, hey, I know who Jesus is. I've read the Bible once. Right? We thought we were okay until we came up against the Word of God getting into our heart, and we started feeling that conviction and, and that drawing of God, and we started realizing, hey, I, I'm not okay. Everything's not rosy and peachy and wonderful. Everything is not. And so we were literally in bondage, and God set us free. So why are we going to go back to that? Why are we going to take ourselves back to something he delivered us from? We do it. We do it. We we let God have control long enough to give us the Holy Ghost, and then we go back, and we walk away from the altar, and we take we take stuff back upon ourselves, and we take... I, God, I'll let you have this, but I'm controlling this. Do we do that? Everybody in here should be shaking their head yes. We do that because we like to feel like we're in control. Did the Apostle Paul feel like he was ever in control of anything once he had that experience on the road to Damascus? 
When you hear a voice and you don't see anybody and you get blinded and all the stuff that happened to him happens to him, you realize that you aren't in control of anything. And that's why he said those words, yes, Lord, whatever you would have me to do. Isaiah 9, 29, 18 and 19 says, And in that day shall the deaf hear the words of the book, and the eyes of the blind shall see out of obscurity and out of darkness. The meek shall also shall increase their joy in the Lord. That was about the only scripture I could find that talked about increasing or adding to your joy. The meek also shall increase their joy in the Lord, and the poor among men shall rejoice in the Holy One of Israel. So really the only way we can add to our joy is to add the joy of the Lord into our life. Really, this is kind of how I look at it. I didn't have joy before. I thought I did. But when I when I entered into this truth, into this way, into, into the kingdom of God, suddenly there was joy unspeakable and full of glory in my life. And if you've got, if you think about this, you've got joy unspeakable and full of glory, how much more can you add to that? <laughs> to me, the only way I can add to that is to just bask in that and to live in that every day and to just strive to be underneath of His will every day and to just maintain that joy. Whatever trial, whatever test I'm going through. So when do we arrive at this place that James talked about being perfect and complete? In James 1, 2 through 4 we read, right? When do we arrive at that point of being completely, totally mature, complete, and all that? When do we arrive at that point? Any, anybody? When do we arrive? When, when, can we, when can we say, I have arrived? I've reached that point of maturity, God, where I, I'm at the, at the top of my game, and I don't need to go any higher, just go work on somebody else. When do we reach that place? 